You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. The Trump administration is escalating its war over California's immigrant protection laws, taking the state to court. The Justice Department sued California, alleging that three state laws interfere with federal immigration enforcement and violate the Constitution. Joining me is David Beer, immigration policy analyst at the Cato Institute. David, tell us about these sanctuary laws the Trump administration is challenging. Yeah, so they're challenging three different uh, statutes that are that are pretty distinct from one another, um, and probably have you know diff- varying levels of uh, legal authority for the state to do uh, what they're trying to do. And the first one uh, prohibits private employers from giving federal immigration officers access to their workplaces or documents uh, for enforcement without a court order, um, a search warrant, in other words. Um, The second law that's being challenged would create a state inspection system for immigration detention facilities, and uh, these are where uh, illegal aliens and and uh, other uh, immigrants who uh, may be deported by the federal government are being held uh, in semi-prison-like conditions. And then the third uh, you know, bill or law that's being challenged would limit state and local law enforcement's uh, authority to uh, communicate with the federal government about uh, certain people that they may have in their custody or they may have information about um, in order to help the federal or, or in order to prevent the federal government from deporting them, and- essentially. David, what's the Justice Department's argument about these laws? Well, they argue that the laws are preempted by uh, the federal federal law and uh, thus violate uh, the Constitution, that uh, the federal government has authority over immigration matters and uh, the California laws are intruding in a domain reserved for the federal government. And does California have a good response to that? Well, they argue that, uh, you know, well, first of all, they have not officially responded to 
the the specific legal arguments being made so far. Um, but what we have heard them say in the past is that they do have authority under state law to regulate private employers and to um, you know make inspections of of facilities in their state. And uh, as far as, you know, local law enforcement goes, uh, their argument is that uh, under our federalist system of government, um, the state has total authority over how it spends its resources um, when it comes to law enforcement. Um, so those are those are the arguments that they're going to try to make. So. David, looking at it now, does it seem as if one side has a stronger case than the other? Uh, well, it, you know, it, we've seen a lot of different immigration cases come up uh, under the Trump administration, and they've been, uh, you know, the courts are really working through them in a variety of different ways, and, um, you know, uh, a lot of wins have been achieved by immigrant rights groups, um, especially in the Ninth Circuit, which would be hearing this case. So I, I'm not sure if the Department of Justice expects to get wins early on in the litigation, but I think maybe they're they're hoping that uh, the Supreme Court would weigh in. I think probably the strongest argument that California has is when it comes to the local law enforcement uh, authorities um, and control over them. Uh, the the Supreme Court has ruled in the past that states and localities really have unfettered authority over what their local, uh, you know, sheriffs and and police departments do. So it's going to be an uphill battle for the uh, Justice Department on the most important of the arguments that are that's uh, that are being put forward. So, David, today a war of words seems to have broken out between Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who gave a speech in California, and California Governor Jerry Brown and Attorney General of California, uh, Javier Becerra. What do you make of this? Are they, is it too emotional an issue? What's happening here? Uh, well, it's certainly an emotional issue. Uh, if you look at uh, the state of California, I mean, it's 30% foreign-born, so you're talking about an enormous part of their state is feels that they are under threat by uh, actions that the Obama administration, I'm sorry, the Trump administration um, is rolling out here. And uh, I think the fact that you're res- you're seeing these very vigorous responses Responses, very public responses, um, goes to the heart of how important this issue is in the state of California. And just about 30 seconds here, why do you believe Jeff Sessions went to California and made this rather inflammatory speech? Uh, you know, this is a political issue, um, and uh, I think that's why you're seeing sort of a political statements being made on on both sides. And um, you know, I think it's going to continue to be a major part of the political debate um, going forward and in, into the elections in November. All right, always a pleasure to have you on, David. That's David Beer, immigration policy analyst at the Cato Institute.
Joining us now is Olga Karif, a Bloomberg News reporter who has uh, has done some of these stories on initial coin offerings and Bitcoin. Uh, Olga, explain the new Treasury letter or the letter that was recently released in which the participants in the initial coin offering are going to be considered money transmitters. And that means they have to comply with these know your customer and bank secrecy rules. That's right. So uh, in the past, uh, a lot of lawyers suspected that startups issuing uh, their own coins may have needed to comply with these rules, but this wasn't stated. And and most uh, companies that issued their own tokens did not try and collect information about people who signed up to buy these tokens from them. And now uh, in this letter... um, uh, Sensen uh, basically is saying that, you know, uh, a lot of the startups issuing their own uh, 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 coins uh, in exchange for digital or fiat currencies will uh, sort of qualify as money transmitters, which means that they must be in compliance with uh, uh, sort of know your customer guidelines. So the ICO market has been red hot. Firms raising about $8.7 billion according to Coindesk, which tracks the offerings. And as Peter and I were saying, the Security and Exchange Commission has been concerned for months that some ICOs are raising money for businesses that don't even exist and has issued a string of subpoenas. How much do you know about that investigation? You know, uh, there is uh, so much uh, going on in the ICO market, like you said, so many startups trying to raise funds. And I think the SEC and a lot of uh, state agencies and other federal agencies are just kind of trying to uh, (laughs) sort of find a grip on this huge problem because uh, a, a lot of uh, startups that are trying to raise money out there, I mean, they don't have products. They maybe have a white paper, but in some cases, the white paper explaining their plans has been simply, uh, they simply copied somebody else's white paper and they're still able to raise funds. So there are so many issues with ICOs right now that, uh, you know, there are a lot of investigations underway. Uh, And I think we've only seen the tip of the iceberg of uh, kind of investigations (laughs) that the FCC and other agency launched. Um, So now we have the how the the know your customer and bank secrecy rules that Treasury says they're now going to have to comply with. One of the other things that was said is that a lot of these, you know, ICOs, are not based in the United States, and so it's it's hard to even get to them. That's exactly right. A lot of them are uh, based outside of the U.S., and it's not clear exactly how uh, it would be possible to enforce uh, any sort of rules on on these companies. And uh, a lot of ICOs are also launched by very small crews. I mean, an individual can launch an ICO uh, within half an hour if they wanted to. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's... going to be really hard to contain this problem. It really is. And so in your view, is this, and we just have about 30 seconds here, is it Treasury just jumping jumping on board the ship with the SEC and the Commodities and Futures Exchange Commission and saying, well, let's try this? That's exactly right. And uh, the experts that I've spoken with uh, believe that this is not enough, that a lot more needs to be done. Uh, But I think a lot of people just 
aren't even sure exactly <laughs> what, what measures need to be taken. So it's such a it's such a, an interesting but very difficult area. Thank you so much, Olga. That's Olga Karif, Bloomberg News Reporter and a writer on the Bitcoin. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.